Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding health care. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor. Dana Goodale. Mental health. And even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's healthcare advocate show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HI Radio Network, our producer, Mr. Paul Vernon. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 293 affiliates strong, thanks to all of you in our listening audience. We are broadcasting today from the Cape in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, 95.7 FM. They've been kind enough to let us use their studios for these shows. These shows, these are the second in a series we're doing with St. Francis Healthcare System. We are broadcasting these across the country, and the reason is we have the doctors in the house. And anytime I can get doctors in studio to talk about health conditions, disease, treatment, and protocols, we do that. So this is going to be a great show today. It's going to focus on orthopedic surgeries and joint replacement. I've got two great doctors in studio with me, so this is an opportunity to listen and learn as we speak with these doctors today. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that at America's Healthcare Advocate. That's the Facebook page, America's Healthcare Advocate. Lots of videos up there and all kinds of other things. If you go to the Facebook page, all of these shows are on podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spreaker. So you hear about this show today and maybe you know somebody that's having some problems, range of motion issues. Uh, they're, you know, they keep saying, hey, you know, I think I need to get a hip replacement or I, I don't know if I need a replacement. Well, you can go back up on the podcast platform, listen to these two learn it doctors are going to talk about these things today and you'll have an opportunity for them to understand what might be the best thing that they can do. Also, the website is americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. So you want to send me an email if you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if there's something you'd like me to cover on one of the shows, feel free to do that. I get a couple of hundred of these a day, emails that is, so I don't answer each one of them the same day, but I do answer each and every one of them. All right, join in studio, Dr. August Ritter and Dr. Catherine Rapp. They are here from St. Francis Healthcare System. We're very happy to have them on. As I said, the topic of the show today is orthopedic joint replacement surgeries, and we're going to talk about all things involved in that. So a little bit about the doctors. Dr. Ritter is an orthopedic surgeon, advanced orthopedic specialist here at St. Francis Healthcare System. He is a medical partner. Dr. Ritter is an experienced orthopedic surgeon specializing in general orthopedics, joint replacement, and foot and ankle reconstruction. He is a Cape Girardeau native and a third-generation orthopedist in the area. Dr. Ritter earned his medical education at the University of Missouri at Kansas City School of Medicine, followed an internship at Spectrum Healthcare Systems in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 
Michigan and completed his fellowship and residency at St. Louis University Hospital, where he developed monoclonal antibodies. I didn't even mess that up. Can you believe that? Uh, For osteosarcoma and other tumors, he is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon. We're happy to have him here today. Dr. Catherine Rapp is is an orthopedic surgeon, advanced orthopedic specialist at St. Francis Healthcare System and a medical partner. Dr. Rapp joined the orthopedic specialist here in 2021. She is an experienced orthopedic surgeon specializing in complex problems of adult and shoulder replacement and elbow replacement. Dr. Rapp earned her medical degree from Southern Illinois University School of Medicine under a military scholarship. She followed that by residency in orthopedic surgery while on active duty in the Navy. From one veteran to another, thank you for your service, Doctor. Thank you for yours. Appreciate what you did. She served at the uh, Medical Center in Portsmouth, Virginia, following an honorable discharge from the Navy in 2017. She went on to complete advanced training fellowship for adult shoulder, elbow, and reconstruction at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. She is a fellow at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Let's just talk about your specialty area of surgery and what you focus on, Doctor. I do mostly hip and knee replacement. Uh, we do some trauma. We do some foot and ankle re- reconstruction. Okay, and you are a third-generation orthopedic surgeon, so I'm going to ask you what drew you to the specialty, but it appears you had you had some help along the way from your uh, parents and grandparents. So my grandfather was a general surgeon who came here in, during the Depression, uh, but at that point there really weren't orthopedic surgeons, so he did mostly orthopedic surgery in town here. Then my father uh, became an orthopedic surgeon out of WashU, in St. Louis. Uh, He joined the practice in 1970. Uh, Tom Otto had started the actual orthopedic practice in Cape in 1950. So he had been here 20 years by himself before my dad came, at which point he left for a six weeks vacation. (laughs) That's quite a history. It's uh, it's unusual to see somebody third generation. uh, It's great to see. So what types of issues are patients typically you know, experiencing, they're going to lead them to a point where they think, maybe I do need to have a joint replacement surgery or pretty obvious I need to do it. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are the issues, range of motion? What are the kinds of issues do they have, doctor? So the complaints we see from patients are discomfort, uh, stiffness, weakness, uh, difficulty uh, coordinating their gait or their use of their arms. Uh, So they often come on gradually and they become more and more symptomatic over time, and then they finally reach a point where they want help treating it. So is it better to address this early on, or does it make any difference if people wait to a point where they're having really debilitative issues? Well, it depends on what you want out of your quality of life. I think most people will start self-treating early with over-the-counter medications or just watching what they do. Uh, They often will talk to their primary care physician and may have some treatment medically there. Uh, When those treatment modalities don't give them adequate relief, then they'll often be referred to us for further treatment. Okay, so they're they're experiencing pain, range of motion issues, those kinds of things at that point. So can you kind of explain a little bit about what is revision surgery and how does that work? So if you're talking about revision surgery, then that would be somebody who's already had a joint replacement that is no longer functioning the way it should. It's become broken, infected, loose, worn out of alignment, there's all kinds of different problems that can come up. And when that happens, 
oftentimes the treatment involves redoing that joint and putting a new joint in again. So if that joint is worn out or defective or they do get an infection or something, they go back in and that and that's when they have the revision surgery. That would be what's called a revision surgery, yes sir. So you know when you when you when I think about this and I know a lot of people have gone through it, unfortunately I have not had to, but um, people get pretty nervous about this stuff. They probably would imagine uh, when they come to see you they're a little ill at ease, maybe a little apprehensive about what they're gonna go through. How do you handle that, doctor? So most people don't come to us and then immediately start scheduling surgery. There's lots of non-operative treatment options for arthritis. By the time we get to a point of discussion of surgery, most of those patients have known us for a bit, so we have a relationship already established. I think that helps with the level of trust when it comes time to talk about surgery. In the, in that vein, um, what what do you tell them they can expect at the end of the day? So somebody comes in, they, they've clearly got a hip issue. I had a friend that was limping forever, and he finally went in and got it done. And, you know, it was like six months later. He's like, I should have done this three years ago. Well, yeah, you probably should have. But what do you tell them? You know, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to get a hip replacement or a knee replacement. What what do they can they expect after they've gone through that process in terms of improvement in their lifestyle? Sure. So the goal, if you're doing joint replacement, would be to get them adequate comfort, strength, and mobility to return to their normal lifestyle. And that's really what you're trying to do is that's be able to goal. get them back that's- to their normal lifestyle. So that's what you explain to them whenever they come in and sit down and talk to you. That's what you would set as a goal for them, yes. So I assume there's like a care team of people that, are, that talk with the patient, kind of guide the patient through all this after they see you, doctor? In my office, they would see a medical assistant who would get them in the room and take their chart information in. The nurse and nurse practitioners will see the patients often, and then I see the patients and we have a final discussion about what the plan is. And then that gives you the information you need to move forward and schedule them for the surgery. What's the recovery time typically if you have a... um a joint replacement like a knee or a hip, you're smiling. So I'm guessing this must vary a little bit. It varies a lot. So I tell people that hip replacement recovery tends to be a bit quicker than knee uh, because it's mainly get up and walk and walk and walk. Uh, There are some exercises involved, but it's mainly just get up and get going. Knee replacement requires much more work by the patient in the physical therapy rehab process uh, and even after physical therapy is over, they have to keep doing it themselves out six to 12 months. But probably time to best recovery is about a year for most hip and knee replacement okay, patients. Well, that's, that's pretty good information. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Ritter and talk more about what you can expect if you are a person who thinks you need to have a surgery like this. You're trying to identify whether you, your symptoms are something you should take a look at and find out if, in fact, you're a candidate for this kind of surgery. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. If you want to schedule an appointment, go to the website sfmc.net. That's the website for St. Francis Healthcare System, sfmc.net. There's a lot of information up there, and they can help you. Stay tuned. The doctors in the house will be right back with more. back 
You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Lots of information up there. Shows are posted up there as well as all the podcast platforms I've mentioned. So if you want to go to the website, feel free to do that. If you want to send me an email from there, you can do that as well. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Paul Verne, in studio with me today. And joining me in studio, Dr. August Ritter and Dr. Catherine Rapp. Joining me in studio today doing the show for St. Francis Healthcare System. We are talking about orthopedic surgeries, joint replacement. Um, how do you know if you need one? You know, what, what happens if you get it? What's the recovery time? You just heard Dr. Ritter talk about that. Uh, so this is an opportunity to listen and learn as these two doctors in studio with us today talk about all the issues surrounding joint replacement. So, Dr., let's, let's just uh, talk a little bit about the changes in the quality of life for patients after they experience one of these surgeries. Doctor? When patients come to have hip and knee replacement surgeries, it's generally because they've had sufficient pain that they have difficulty with doing their activities of daily living. Uh, So the goal for outcomes after surgery would be to relieve that pain and get them more functional, up on their feet more, have better endurance, uh, be able to get in and out of chairs, up and down stairs, walk, stand, get back to work and life. So I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna guess I probably know the answer to this, but the the number of people that you see that are chronologically challenged versus folks that are like like the other two young ladies in the studio with us here today. I'm assuming when you get when you become a senior citizen, senior citizen, the, these numbers go up significantly with the number of people needing joint replacement. It does go up with age, but there's an amazing number of younger people who have as a result of injury or other issues, developed arthritis sufficient that they can't do what they want to do. So even if you're in your 40s, if you can't make a living, you can't do the activities it takes to raise a family, you're not without some options if you need to. So talk a little bit about technologies today that you're using for joint and hip replacement and, and how does that contrast? You know, there's a lot of changes today in, in medical technology. How is that different from what it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, doctor? I would say there's big changes in material structure. So the metals and the plastics used in replacement have become sufficiently improved that we're not redoing hips and knees very often for failure of the components. So they they really last a long time. They're very sturdy. Uh, I typically tell people unless you injure it or you get sick and it gets infected, uh, the potential lifespan on most of these components is quite long. I mean, that that would be the goal. Another advance that's been made is pain management. So we don't use nearly as much narcotic pain medication as we used to. There's multimodal management where you use anti-inflammatory medicines, Tylenol, local anesthetics, nerve blocks, 
in addition to low-dose narcotics, and we still get very, very good pain relief with that. Other than surgery, what are some of the other treatments that you you know, recommend to people make, that people have, if they don't need to have a joint replacement, but they're having problems, they're experiencing some range of motion issues, they're experiencing some pain, those kinds of things, doctor? So with arthritis, stiffness and weakness will exacerbate the symptoms. So oftentimes, if you come in with stiffness and weakness, we'll offer physical therapy, anti-inflammatory medications like Motrin or Naprosyn, often will give relief, um, activity modifications, so avoiding deep squatting and kneeling may give you relief. Um, so those, those types of things are the main treatments. So do you recommend they do, th- you talked about physical therapy, so being active, yoga, Pilates, physical therapy, those kinds of things are, are positive for people to do? Proper physical activity is a good thing. I noticed you said proper. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> squatting 400 pounds no. or running the marathon may yeah. not be the right idea. Right. I don't think but, any of us at my but, age are doing much but of But learning that. a proper arthritis exercise program can really make a big difference in people's lives. Aquatic exercises sometimes allow you to do it with less weight on the hip or knee, so you'll tolerate it better sometimes. What do you think sets St. Francis Healthcare System apart in terms of your program from other hospitals? So St. Francis has been doing hip and knee replacement for 50 years. It's been a program that has been continuously evolving, really focusing on expertise at all levels from preoperatively evaluating the patients, nursing, education, the operating room staff and and technical capability, monitoring anesthesia and, and modifying how anesthesia works to control patients' pain before and after surgery, physical therapy protocols that have been developed over the years. It's really a multimodal, every step, every level program. And you've got an excellent program here at St. Francis Health System for folks here in southeast Missouri. It's been highly rated nationwide, yes. And that's, I think that's important for people to hear that message. You know, the, oftentimes I think people, you know, in rural communities surrounding, you know, cities and towns like Cape Girardeau think that because they're in a rural community, well, we can't get it done there. We need to go to the big city to get it done. That's not the case at all, is it? So I don't think that's the case here. We have physicians who are well-trained. We have an institution that has smart high-quality staff, all the technical capabilities we could ever want. And how does it feel to be a third-generation orthopedic surgeon here in Cape Girardeau? It's feeling older every year. (laughs) I think I can relate to that part of it. (laughs) You're feeling older every year. So, well, thank you very much for that. All right. So when we come back from the break, we're going to continue our conversation. Now we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk to Dr. Catherine Rapp. We're going to talk now about shoulder and some other areas of replacement and how she practices her, her, her medicine and what she does here um, in the Cape Girardeau area. Again, if you want information, the website is sfmc.net. 
sfmc.net. You can make an appointment up there if you want to go do that. Uh, you want to learn information about some of these procedures or about doctor, you can do all that once again at the website, sfmc.net. That is the website. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back with more. Back, you're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the fruited plain here on the HI Radio Network. Once again, you can find out more about us by going to the website America's Healthcare Advocate.com. America's Healthcare Advocate.com. A lot of information in those first two segments, right? Kind of like drinking from a fire hose. Well, you might want to go up on the podcast platforms Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, Apple Play. That The show will be posted up there. You can tell somebody about it, listen to it again. Uh, maybe you've got a you know, maybe you got a grandmother, mother, father, whatever the case may be. You know they're having a problem. Let them listen to the broadcast. Listen to what Doctor Ritter's saying. You're going to listen to what Doctor Rapp's going to say here in a few minutes, and get them to understand what it is um, they need to do. I think this is great information. That's why we're doing these shows and broadcasting them coast to coast across the country because this is an opportunity for people to listen and learn. And that's what we're trying to accomplish here. The website for St. Francis is stfrancismc.net, stfrancismc.net for St. Francis Healthcare System. All right, doctors, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the surgery you focus on and what you do, which is different than what um, – uh, Dr. Ritter does. Yes, of course. I focus more on the adult shoulder, taking care of issues such as rotator cuff tears, arthritis, and frozen shoulders. And then I also take care of general orthopedic trauma issues, broken bones, things like broken ankles and broken hips. Talk a little bit about rotator cuff. I, you know, I know some folks that have had to have that surgery. You hear a lot about it with baseball players tearing the rotator cuff, etc. What's that sounds, you know, that's a pretty, it sounds like a pretty complicated and uh, difficult surgery. So what happens there with that surgery to correct the situation when you have a torn rotator cuff? It definitely can be complicated. And I think it all starts with the patient themselves. So there's two different kinds of rotator cuff tears when we look at big, broad categories, one of them being traumatic or rotator cuff tears that happen because you had a fall or an accident or something like that. And those typically do need to be fixed, um, especially if you're a young person or active or a laborer to restore the normal function to the shoulder. And then there's a second type of tear, which is what I kind of describe as an arthritis of the rotator cuff, where unfortunately, as all of us age, the rotator cuff will start to tear. Um, and as we get older, by about the age of 60, maybe up to even a 20% chance of having a partial thickness rotator cuff tear. And those are tears that, because they're not traumatic and it's a and it's a degenerative process, can more frequently be treated without surgery very successfully with things like physical therapy and a home exercise program. Past 60, you're looking at me when you say that, by the way. Never. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, so it becomes more prevalent as, as we age, basically, is what you're saying. Yes, sir. All right, so what what drew you to this specialty? I mean, I, you, you, you were a surgeon in the Navy, but you weren't doing this specialty. Then you got out of the Navy and went forward and, and 
became a specialist in this area. What drew you to this, doctor? Correct. And I think it's just the complexity of the shoulder overall, which really drew it to me. It has the broadest range of motion of really any joint in our body. If you think about what your shoulder all allows you to do from reaching up to a cabinet in a very high shelf to reaching way up behind your back, it just is very capable and there's a lot going on. And I think it's that complexity and the various issues that can arise that drew me towards it. So when when your patients come to you, what, what kind of limitations are they experiencing and symptoms? And how does somebody know, I'm getting to a point where I think I need to take a look at this, and how important is it to do it early on versus they let it get really out of hand and then it becomes a real problem? I have a business partner in Texas who let his go way too long and had a very difficult recovery process because he did. So talk a little bit about that. Yes, sir. So if you're someone who's had an injury and your shoulder was normal and you could lift something out of a top cabinet without a problem, and then you have a fall or an accident and suddenly you can't lift your arm up anymore at all, that is something you should come in sooner rather than later to consider having taken care of it. If it's something where it comes on more chronically, where maybe one day you woke up and you have a little twins in your shoulder and over the course of several months it becomes progressively worse, again, that's something that sometimes we can take care of without surgery. But certainly if you get to the point where you can't get your hand to the top of your head or behind your back to take care of your personal hygiene or you're noticing some significant weakness in the shoulder and ability to lift, that's something you should probably have looked at just to be sure it's not something we can do something for now. Okay, so you mentioned treatment without surgery. What kinds of treatments do you typically recommend or do uh, if someone really doesn't need surgery, but they're having some of these issues? I think the most important thing is physical therapy. As I like to tell my patients, there are at least 17 muscles that help control the shoulder. So even if one is not working quite right or partially torn, there are several others that can use it to help the shoulder do what it needs to do. And the shoulder's ability to compensate, even when a tendon is torn, is incredibly remarkable. Okay, so how important is someone's um, overall health in terms of range of motion and, and physical uh, capability play into all of this, doctor? So for some patients, especially with long-standing tears and chronic tears, they can get to the point where they're not sleeping at night anymore. And when you're not sleeping, that just can really be upsetting to your entire life. It can really make everything worse. It can make your pain worse. It can make your cognition worse. It can make your how you feel about everything worse. So if you're having trouble sleeping and really waking up a lot at night, I think that's something to look at. And the other thing is your ability to take care of yourself. So your ability to dress yourself and bathe yourself when your shoulder's not working right, that can really become infect, uh, that can really become affected and something that again can be very challenging and maybe something that we can do about it. So what, what do you see, you know, I asked Dr. Ritter this question, I'll ask you the same question. How much better or how far more advanced are treatments now, the, the joint replacement, the, the, diff, the different components that go into this kind of surgery versus where they were, say, 10, 15 years ago? Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing that's happened in the shoulder in the last 20 years would be the reverse shoulder replacement. So this is a replacement for the shoulder that was designed in Europe um, back in the 80s and 90s and became FDA approved in the U.S. in the early 2000s. And this is designed to treat people who have very long-standing rotate certain very long-standing rotator cuff tears that then develop a special kind of arthritis. And this is for patients who are typically less active maybe um, and 
really have a profound effect. And this diagnosis can really have a profound effect on their shoulder and their shoulder's ability to function and do things. And this particular replacement um, has really kind of changed everything in that regard and restored people's ability to, again, do activities of daily living. And maybe they could only reach chest high and now they can reach up over their head, or maybe they could only get their hand to the tabletop and now they can get their hand overhead as a result of this replacement. And I think that's been the biggest game changer. Um, but then there have also, as a result of that, been changes in how we fix the rotator cuff and what surgeries, other types of surgeries that we can do to fix the rotator cuff that are not as invasive as a reverse shoulder replacement that can be done arthroscopically. So there's a lot of new things in the shoulder in the last 20 years um, that are helping patients get back to where they want to be. So orthoscopically is now becoming more of a norm in shoulder replacement where you don't typically have to do it. In terms of the percentage of surgeries, would that be a larger percentage or a smaller percentage? Arthroscopic versus open? Email. Yes. Um, so for any replacement of the shoulder, it typically is going to be an open procedure. But for a lot of other things, it's very much going towards arthroscopic. So how would you describe the process? So someone comes to you and they're having some of these issues. What's the process that they go through before you determine they're ready to go into surgery and have a surgical procedure done? Um, the biggest thing is simply the history and physical. So getting the patient into the office and asking them what's bothering you about your shoulder, what's limiting you about your shoulder, what is your goal for your shoulder, what do you want it to be able to do, and then a physical exam to be able to assess what exactly they can do um, and how strong the shoulder is and what the range of motion of the shoulder is, followed by an x-ray. And those very simple things can give us a lot of information as to what we may or may not be able to do to get you back to where you want to be. I'll ask you the same question I asked Dr. Ritter. What's the recovery time for today? So the reverse shoulder is an example. That's pretty extreme surgery. Yes. So what are we looking at recovery time? I tell patients, just like in a knee and hip replacement, it's really a year to a full recovery. So there's a lot of gains made early. A lot of patients feel very good by about three to five months after surgery, but then they keep making these small incremental gains all the way up to 12 to 18 months after surgery. So it, it, it is a process, and it yes, doesn't sir. happen overnight. So, yes, sir. So they're, they're, going to, they're going to experience a, a, a time there where they're going to have their discomfort and pain management, like Dr. Ritter talked about that, as they, as they continue to progress. And do they do they therapy as well, or is it not, or is it just exercises they have to do? Most patients will do a formal physical therapy program um, in conjunction with a home exercise program. I do have some patients that do just a home exercise program. So that kind of, it, that depends on the patient or is that? Uh, it depends on the patient and the surgery that was done. Okay. And then, then you recommend which ones. How long does the physical therapy typically last? That two months, three months, six months? Yep. Anywhere from about two to four months would be typical. Okay. So this is pretty, pretty complicated surgery. Thank you. I appreciate that information today. And I'm the audience appreciates that information. If you want more information, if you want to make an appointment to see a doctor, you may think you're having an issue. If you do, the website for St. Francis Healthcare System is sfmc.net, sfmc.net. That is the website. We come back from the break. We'll wrap it up with doctors. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be back with more. The doctors are in the house.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. And all the shows, again, are on all the podcast platforms. So you've listened to these doctors today and you want to tell somebody about this, go up to the podcast platforms. Our producer, Mr. Paul Vernon. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In studio with me, Dr. August Ritter and Dr. Catherine Rapp in the studio with me today from the St. Francis Healthcare System talking about joint replacement. You're learning a lot here today if you're listening to this from these two learned doctors that have given us their time to come in and talk about what they do. The website for St. Francis Healthcare System is sfmc.net, sfmc.net. There's a lot of information up there. Um, and if you want to schedule an appointment, you can do a lot of things on that website. Go to the website. So, Doctor, you know, I asked this question to Dr. I'll ask it of you. When people come in to have a surgery like this, they've got to be a little nervous. I mean, if I had to have a shoulder replacement surgery, I would be a little nervous. <laughs> I'd be a little concerned, probably a little scared of what this is going to be like. Um, how do you deal with that when you sit them down and, okay, how do you get them to feel like everything's going to be okay? We've got this under control, doctor. Absolutely. And I think the first thing I tell them is that having some anxiety about it and being nervous about it is a totally reasonable and expected response. And that we'll do our best to make them as comfortable as we can throughout the process. That if they have any questions that we can answer that would help ease their worries, that I'm happy to answer them. And just to know that we'll take as good of care of them as we can to our ability and we'll take care of whatever they need. And I think it starts with building a rapport with the patient and me understanding what brought them in in the first place and what their goals are for surgery and how we're going to work through all of it together. There are issues in a lot of facilities with reinfection rates and all the rest of that. Um, that's not a problem. St. Francis does a really good job, and you don't have those issues to deal with here. Doctor, talk a little bit about the quality of care here in people like to compare it to the big cities. I don't know if that's always such a good thing. Let's talk a little bit about that, Dr. Ritter. So St. Francis has historically tried to compare themselves on a nationwide scale and there's been multiple organizations who have reviewed our process and our outcomes and have rated us extremely highly uh, in the top percentile of the nation. So we're very, very proud of those ratings in the past. We're working to continue that level of work now. Uh, you spoke of infection rates and reinfection rates. Right now, the infection rate after joint replacement surgery for the last year was less than 0.3%. That's so remarkable. It, that's world-class work from this team of physicians and nurses. I'll tell you, it's it's wonderful. We try and keep that kind of process going every year. So you basically, Doctor, you, you, you all are comparing yourselves on a national scale um, to, other, to other facilities, other hospitals that perform these surgeries, Doctor? Yes, sir. That's our goal is to be the best that we can be. And that sounds like that's exactly what you're doing. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you came in the studio this morning, Dr. Rapp, you talked about you had just come from Sykeston. So how many different places do you go and how many different facilities do you visit whenever you're, when you're seeing patients, doctor? So I personally see patients in Cape Girardeau as well as Sykeston. 
but our we have several partners and as a team we see patients also in Poplar Bluff and Jackson. Do the same thing. So I don't travel out of Cape Girardeau anymore, but for years I went to Dexter and Perryville. So we've had various clinics through the years and we've tried to create a presence in the region to supply quality, quality health care close to home for our patients. So you're servicing about how many counties? Is it seven different counties out of, uh, out of St. Francis Healthcare System? It's bigger than that. I oh, don't know the exact number. We, I'll draw patients from as far as West Plains, so getting halfway across the state on wow. the southern tier. Okay. Uh, northeast Arkansas, southern Illinois, kind of the northwest corner of Kentucky. So it's we go as far north as uh, St. Genevieve, St. Mary's. It, it's a big penetration of this area. That that is big. That's that that's 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 basically a regional health system is what you're talking about. There's primary care within the system in all those areas of Missouri. Um, we draw from other area, other states that we don't have primary care in, but it's a big system. Well, I know you get folks in here from Southern Illinois, from Carterville, Carbondale, um, uh, Cairo, um, all, all the locales that are not very far from here, and, and they access healthcare here as well. Coming across that bridge. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a picture of that bridge by Hotel Sun. So, well, thank you both for doing this today. I really appreciate your taking the time. I think it was it's pretty amazing when we get two doctors in the studio at the same time to talk about these various surgical procedures and how you basically get the impulse of life with people. Thank you for thank your you time. Thank you for having us. It was great to have you here. If you want information, go to the website for St. Francis Healthcare System. It is sfmc.net, sfmc.net. And again, I you know I told you folks getting this broadcast. I am broadcasting these nationwide. Yes, we're focusing a lot um, on the Southeast Missouri regional area here and what St. Francis Healthcare System does. But in those first three segments of that show, you got to hear these doctors talk about these issues. And, and how to deal with them. When should you be concerned? When should you do something uh, if you're having these kinds of issues, range of motion, pain, and all that? That's the purpose of doing these shows, and the good people at St. Francis Healthcare System have agreed to do this, so we appreciate that. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.